Welcome into In This Corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now me, I'm handsome Nick Costos, and it's great to be back on the podcast. I had to miss last week, but the good news is you filled my inbox. You slid into my DMs, and you told me how much you missed me. And you know how pathetic, petty, and insecure I am. And you know what that did for my ego? My ego is starved. It needs your adulation, and you gave it to me in spades. So I am feeling great today. And not only do I feel great, but I am dressed great, thanks to Paul from the Nordstrom and Aventura. And my hair looks spectacular. Shout out to Danny at the W Salon in Coral Springs. So handsome Nick. His ego is great. He looks great, he feels great, and we're about to have a great podcast. And as always, I am joined by my great tag team partners. First off, no one loves Russia more than this guy. He roots for Russia in the Olympics. He loves drinking Russian vodka. He's the only guy I know that rooted for Boris and Natalia in the old Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons. He is the Russian judge himself, the corrupt one, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, Sejas. There you go. I like that. And Russian from the Silver King. That's a nice little bit of improvisational genius from the Silver King. And as always, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He's the showstopper. Bring it. He is the main event. My man. He is the bod that runs the pod. One time. He is the mast that guides the cast. Stay hyped. You know his name, damn it. He is the... Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. BC, tell them what's on the podcast. Do yourselves a favor, fine listeners, and get some of this just one day after teasing the bag, if you will, with a tremendous bonus podcast featuring an interview with the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. In This Corner is back to provide your regular weekly fix of pro wrestling and, most importantly, inject your veins with the only growth hormone that will fill your ears and blow your mind. Yes, the performance-enhancing audio on this edition of the ITC we will break down the week that was in WWE preview Sunday's TLC pay-per-view from Minneapolis and chat with one of the biggest participants, cruiserweight champion Kalisto, who talks about his biggest influences in the business and relives that incredible spot at TLC two years ago, 2015, the Salida Del So off the top of the ladder against Jey Uso. You know it. You want to hear about it. Great stuff all the way. But even more important than that, guys, we're back. Finally, the boys are back in town. The three of us finally in the same room smoke so to speak, you might just say and fellas, if that's true then you know Handsome Nick is the charisma of a Heath Slater. You know your boy BC for years been told he gives off Drew McIntyre the Chosen One vibe so Silver King, my man, by default that kind of makes you gender, and I mean, we know you hate the guy, so it's like a bit ironic, don't you think? It's like you know, I will, I, I will take being Heath Slater, because I'm a one-man band, baby! That was a great intro, as always, from the, the Victor Conti, the cousin Yuri, the King Balco, the first of our performance-enhancing audio, the man whose name is on the marquee. And by the way, how, the ba- Brian Campbell. And how about you getting over not just Paul from Aventura, the great one, but now Danny from the W Salon in Coral Springs. I mean, come on. This is un- this well, is like a well, stable now. Me, do me a favor, Brian. If we're going to mention Paul's name here, let's make sure that we get it right. He is Paul 
from the Nordstrom in Aventura or or just Nordstrom Paul. And we also have Danny from the W Salon as well. Danny makes my hair look absolutely spectacular. Shout out to both of those two. They are terrific and they deserve to be over. You know what else deserves to be over? It's the way we start our podcast each and every week. Brian Campbell, we do that with the main event. This is the main event. I don't know what the hell happened on Monday night. So I'm sitting there in the green room at CBS. I'm working nights and I see on the TV, Kane all of a sudden is on the screen. I'm thinking, what the hell just happened? So then I watched it the next day and yeah, I don't know if it made a lot more sense watching it the next day here. Kane returns at the end of Monday Night Raw to attack Roman Reigns in the Reigns Braun Strowman cage match. The Shield earlier in the show returned with their old threads. They're wearing old black. The old theme song, the entrance through the crowd, hits you in the old feel spot. The TLC main event now a five on three with the bar, the Miz, Braun Strowman, and Kane up against the Shield. Brian Campbell, go. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of falling asleep there toward 11 o'clock on Monday night going, you know, this cage match, what's really happening? And I got to admit, I did have sort of a Vince McMahon reaction. <laughs> Only, guess what? Vinnie Mac had that reaction in 1997, 20 years ago. Kane's now 50 years old. I'm sorry. 20 years ago, Brian. 20 years ago. That is actually not an exaggeration. It was 20 years ago. And I'm not popping the same. Look, is it a bad storyline? No, it's kind of like, it. Kind of you can connect the dots. Kane was originally feuding with the original S.H.I.E.L.D., even deeper, Kane's kayfabe brother is The Undertaker, who Roman Reigns retired. So yes, for once, the dots actually connect. But the execution and the whole convoluted nature of it did not connect. Look, bringing back the shield was really not just touching that nostalgia bug. It was not just tickling the feel spot. It was putting your fist in it and turning, all right? It was like really, 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 really uh, accidental soundbite. They're really, really like activating what we want. This is doubling down on nostalgia in gratuitous fashion for me because the shield alone made you pop. And now you spent the last two weeks going and tell me if I'm wrong, Nick, you spent the last two weeks going, all right, the shield's back. I'm fired up. Are the Miz and the bar enough to make the storyline work? And then there's Braun Strowman sprinkled in. So you're trying to deal with that. Now I got to deal with Kane and possibly The Undertaker in the storyline. The last time I checked, Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker, not good. Why do I want to tease that that could be back? And the last time I checked, Kane doing anything at this age, I'm sorry, outside of running for mayor in Knox County, Tennessee, not good. So I did not pop. I don't know where we're going next. And five on three in, in Sunday's pay-per-view main event. Where, Nick, what the heck? What, what the heck's going on out there, Nick? I gotta tell you, I think the match is gonna be terrific. And this is kind of shaping up as a one-match pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. And I think the one match, the main event, is going to absolutely deliver. So I have no problems with the match itself, because I think the match is gonna be is going to be great. I don't think there's any question about it. A couple things for us to unearth here. Number one, how about what WWE is doing right now with Roman Reigns? He's getting legitimate face heat, and he has sort of morphed his character a little bit. How about Roman coming out and telling Kurt Angle, you've got one of two, one of two options here. You either stay in the ring or you either get out of our yard or you stay here and we kick your ass. And the crowd popped for it. Roman Reigns is getting face heat. Dare I say it? WWE's plan is working for Roman Reigns. And, you know, I didn't love the Shield getting back together at first. I felt like it was a little forced. I didn't love it. But that promo that they cut, seeing the entrance, hearing the music, it really did sort of hit me in that feel spot. Brian, this was not a bag tease, as you said. This was a full-on just... 
Yeah, no blue balls here as it concerns the Shield coming back. This was fantastic on Monday night. I really liked it. Now, as for Kane, look, no one really wants to see Kane. That's not an insult to Kane, to Glenn Jacobs. Guy's a future Hall of Famer. He's been a great performer for 20 years in WWE, even if you want to count Isaac Yankum before that DDS. But Hey, don't forget I'm about willing... fake Diesel. Fake Diesel, right? Give him the, give and he him was the... also fake Diesel. That's correct, with fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. I am willing to give this storyline the benefit of the doubt because there's a lot of different places that it can go. I'm not super confident that it's going to be good, but I think that it could be good. And that's why I don't hate it as of right now. I kind of want to see where it goes, Bri, with I Kane coming. Yeah, through. I mean, I support that optimism to a certain degree. And you just made the strongest point. The Shield's only back together to get over Roman Reigns to prepare for next year's WrestleMania. I kind of feel like they're kind of making that stand going, you know, we'll tell you with our voice that we love that he gets booze and cheers at the same time. But the reality is... We want him to get nothing but cheers. You can argue with me on that. I believe they want him to get nothing but cheers. This There's no is- doubt. But what, one thing that I will say is I, I think that it's partially that. I also think creative is like, okay, we got to get to WrestleMania. How can we bridge the gap? Unite the shield. Yeah, how are we going to get people to want to cheer against Brock if that's the direction that they're going long-term? No doubt, but it's working. Their people are popping for Roman. That triple promo at the beginning was great. The match on Sunday, which we'll get into, is probably going to be great. It's TLC. I just don't know what the five-on-three is supposed to mean at this point, and I just kind of— It means nothing. That's what it means. It means absolutely nothing. It's just a main event pay-per-view match that's going to go 40 minutes. That's all it means, I think. Okay, but in the grounds of kayfabe, if we're going to put our kayfabe hats on— there's no justification right now why the Shield really has to go three against four, three against five. Is there? Well, that's where it I got guess. a little. That's where it got a little convoluted to me. It's just sort of like I had that feeling throughout before Kane out came out throughout the second half of Raw. I sort of had that feeling like, what is this match, this cage match, Strowman versus Roman, going to mean? Okay, you get to add a fifth member. Why do you get to add a fifth member? It's really not the the pieces are not all matching up. It's it's. Making me a little bit nervous for as much as I'm popping for the Shield. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a fair criticism at this point. Maybe they'll come through and woo me over on Sunday night. But right now, I feel like they're calling it on the fly. And if you know WWE's inside history, they're almost always calling it on the fly. So that's not a big reveal. But I don't like when it feels like they're doing that, Nick. You getting that vibe? So Silver, so Silver King, I kind of like this. Bry is sort of on the fence about it. Break the tie here. How do you feel about what we saw on Raw and what we're going to see at TLC in the main event? I don't even know that there's a tie to break. I don't know how you're not popping for this. Like, you, you know, I'm considered the contrarian and the guy who's always critical. Guys, we just saw Kane in 2017 come out in a steel cage match between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman from underneath the ring. They kind of changed up the music and the lights. It was different. Outside of the whole campiness of this being Kane a monster you know, on a Halloween pay-per-view, which we'll get to more of that later. Outside of that, I'm popping for it. I love it. Anytime you get Kane, who's, as Brian said, is actually running for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. This is a guy in a current mayoral race right now, back in WWE, which I'm guessing is not going to be a one-month stint, probably two months all the way through Survivor Series. I'm popping for it. I absolutely love that. As far as the match and everything else goes, it just, it seems like they got to the five-man team too quick. Like, you obviously know this is a build for Survivor Series. The five-man team is going to go over at TLC, as Nick said, in a one-match pay-per-view. This pay-per-view card is awful. So they're going to go over. The Shield's going to need to go out and find two guys to even the side, and then they'll obviously get over at Survivor Series. So my biggest issue is this is all telegraphed. The field reunion was forced in the first place, and the next, you know, six weeks of TV 
are telegraphed exactly what's going to happen. That's where I stand on this entire issue. Yeah, this Isn't it always th- like this, though, at this time of year for WWE, where yeah. you feel like this a little bit where... And it's just the way it is. It's the way, like, WWE's calendar runs, right? It's all about WrestleMania. WrestleMania season kicks off at the Royal Rumble, so they're not going to do anything like catastrophic, earth-shaking, seismic now because the seismic stuff is saved from January to April. It just is what it is. But the problem is what you said, the story. The story is the foundation, especially in WWE, where it's not about having great matches. It's always about telling a story. Nick, what's the actual story right now? Okay, The Shield, Your three of your top babyfaces got back together, presumably because they got beat up a couple times, not because they're facing some faction that's insurmountable, that they're like, look, guys, the only way we're going to clean up this territory, clean up this town as sheriffs, is we're going to get back together and join forces. That's a real story. And I don't mean to, by the way, pop for The Shield coming back and then crap on them two weeks later, but I'm just taking this all as a whole. I'm okay with The Shield coming back even if the story is blah, which it was last week. This week, I'm just a little confused at what the story actually is, and that's where I'm getting a little screwed up. Nick, tell me, what's the actual story here? We know in real life why they're doing it, to get Roman over. We know they're also trying to connect the dots to Survivor Series, but kayfabe again, the story? Why are five guys facing against three? Why? It makes no sense. Well, well first off, I think like, I think you're expecting too much right now, honestly, because like I told you, this is what happens. It's freaking October. WWE is concerned with April and from January to April. And I like, I'll say it again. I disagree with your point that the reason why they're doing this, the main reason at least, is to get face cheers for Roman Reigns. I think that's a reason. That was your point. That was your point. No, I I think it's a reason. I'm not saying it's not not a reason, but if there's a pie chart, it's not over 50% of the pie chart. The over 50% of the pie chart is how the hell are we going to get from October to January to the Royal Rumble? Let's put the shield back together. I think think that's why they did it. And as for the story, I don't know what the hell it's going to be yet. But I'll tell you what. I'm a little intrigued to see how it's going to turn out because we don't know how it's going to turn out yet. We'll know more coming up this Sunday. It's going to be make or break. So we're going to know, I think, after this pay-per-view, how excited we're going to end up being for Survivor Series. And we'll get to what the the main event's supposed to be of Survivor Series moving a little later in this program. Um, That was revealed on SmackDown, and we will be confirmed next week on Monday Night Raw. I just want to say, you you said— The jury's out for me still, Brian, on this. I just want to say this. You said, what do you expect? And I did look back a year ago. At this time in October, it wasn't TLC. That was a December pay-per-view. It was Hell in a Cell in Boston, Raw pay-per-view, Charlotte and Sasha in a cage in the main event, you know, big big push around that. Cesaro and Sheamus winning the belts from the New Day. There was— some things going on, the KO Chris Jericho feud going against Seth Rollins in a cage. Maybe there was a little bit more going on at this time last year. Certainly in the TLC pay-per-view in December there was, right? When it was AJ and Dean in that classic match with the hole in the ass, which mixed with two other really good matches, Miz versus Ziggler for his career. As much as I say they tend to blow it, kick it off, you know, punt during football season, and they do, as much as I was happy about how much they didn't punt to open football season this year, last year at this time, things may have been a little bit better, a little bit more planned out for the future. It feels a little bit like they're throwing things against the wall. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I, it's actually impossible to disagree with what you just said, so I will not do it. But I will say, if the main event delivers on Sunday night and we are left like excited for Monday Night Raw, who the hell cares? Well, it depends how good the main event. If the main event ends with this... And the ultimate thrill ride will be your last one.
Then I'm out. I'm out. All right. Dude, if the, are you if the Undertaker comes out, you're going to be out on it. Really? He's done, dude. And I don't need his old arse brother to crawl through the ring like 20 years later. You want to do the 20 year nostalgia pop? Then I guess at Survivor Series, let's get Janetti on the horn to regroup with Michaels, and he can join with the Shield for five on five against Taker, Kane, and whoever you know the the Mizrahi. Yeah, you're like, right because Shawn Michaels coming back would really suck. Yeah, you're right about that. Silver <laughs> King, if we see Undertaker on Sunday night, will you pop or will you be upset? Uh, I, I pop. Um, the, just the question is, what role would he have on either side? It wouldn't make much sense, but I'd pop if I get the Undertaker. If I hear the music, I pop. I popped for the Undertaker's theme when I knew it was Dolph Ziggler coming out as the Undertaker on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. Do you guys, Silver King? Let me rephrase the question. Do you want to see? Because they're teasing it. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Do you want to see the Undertaker involved in this feud and in this storyline, some way, somehow, in some shape or form? Absolutely not. Yes, great right. answer, Silver King, right? And, and like, look, okay, Kane, but a year ago, Kane was a year ago, Kane was beating jobbers on the main event of WWE to open cards that non-televised, all right? I'm not that, like, he needs to be gone from the game for a lot longer before him crawling through the ring is going to get me to pop in the main event. Now, I, I don't necessarily want to see The Undertaker, like, in tons of matches, but The Undertaker's always got star power. The only issue with it... And already with Brock when Undertaker came back after Brock beat him at WrestleMania 30. But look, Undertaker always adds gravitas to the proceedings in any way. It's all about building that bridge to January, get to the Royal Rumble, kick off WrestleMania season, and we'll all be happy marks once again. Now on to the second part of our double main events. Um, so Jinder Mahal comes out, cuts a typical Jinder Mahal promo, and challenged Brock Lesnar to a title versus title match. And it looks like that's going to be the main event of Survivor Series. Now, if I had told you a month, six months ago before WrestleMania, hey, Survivor Series would be a title versus title match, Brock against Jinder, you probably would have fainted, but it looks like that's what we're going to get. Maybe AJ Styles gets inserted into this match because AJ Styles came out on SmackDown to confront Jinder Mahal. Bry, how about this? Jinder and Brock looking likely to main event Survivor Series. All right. If we didn't know what we already know from watching Raw and SmackDown this week, and I know that sounds confusing. If you're just asking me, do I like the idea of Jinder and Brock title versus title at Survivor Series? Even if you tell me ahead of time, there's probably going to be a smosh finish where one guy's not going to come away with two belts. I'll say, you know what? If we have to have Jinder as champion, that's probably the best way you can do it. It adds real gravitas to the match of two belts. The idea, if you don't like Jinder, of seeing him getting squashed by Brock, potentially, or seeing the Singh brothers get F5'd into the crowd, oh, not a bad they're idea. Done. That's a great point by but, you, Bri, because that's the first thing I'm thinking, Bri, is when like Jinder comes out, I'm like thinking poor Sunil and poor Samir, because Brock Lesnar's going to absolutely right. kill these guys and, at some and point. That kind of stuff, I can laugh about it. I can get off about it. I heard you laugh. I heard you get off on it, brother. Exactly. But you know what I can't? You know what I really, though, can't get off on? Is what was said on, I think it was Raw or SmackDown. I'm not sure. It was by Michael Cole, who was on both shows this week. He showed the gender package. Okay, so that had to be SmackDown. Showed the package of gender in India over the past week and so said. Gender's package? Gender's package was all over the screen. He said, Gender's coming back for two days in December where he will become the first WWE champion to defend the title in India. Uh, guys, that's after Survivor Series. 
So, well, so it's a non-title match. It's yeah, gonna, no, not going to be title. Yeah, you guys title. are calling it title versus title match. It's a champion I, I, versus I, 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 champion match. It's, I there's a difference. What, what, what? Title versus title, and it doesn't mean the title's up for grabs, though. It's a oh, non-title. I see. Okay, then the match. No. Then okay, if that's the case, I'm sorry. The match is meaningless because even if you're telling me again it's title versus title, but it'll probably be a smash finish, I'll still buy that. But now you're telling me that there's no titles on the lines, then the match doesn't matter. Kayfabe, King, you still got to put the kayfabe hat on. You still have to care and try to act like this is not fake, right? That's the whole point. Still yeah, I mean, clarify for us here, but what this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, nothing's eventually nothing has been officially announced by WWE, and I think even those that were had this as rumors or reports previously didn't have anything specific. But I think it's pretty clear it's going to be a champion versus champion match. They're not going to take or even put up for grabs one of the main titles. Um, take it away from SmackDown or Raw. So I think it's just gender, and it seemed pretty clear to me on SmackDown. And by the way, you said a typical gender promo. I actually thought this was his best promo that he's ever delivered on SmackDown because it was somewhat different, and he actually told the story as opposed to just blaming people for you know hating him because he's from India. Um, but that's a ta- that's a tangent right there. Anyway, no, it's actually no. I, I actually I think that's actually a great point that you make, yeah. and I actually want to want to backtrack on what I said because one thing that Ginger did in this promo. And look, I probably short, uh, sh- uh, sold him a little short there because it was a pretty good promo. I think you're right about that. And one thing that I did that he really liked when the crowd started chanting, you can't wrestle, he just held the belt up and smiled, which I thought was pretty cool and got more heat. So I actually did like that from Jinder. So Silver King, I do think that, that, you're, that you're right there um, on that point on Jinder. BC, what did you think of the Jinder promo on Tuesday night? Yeah, it was fine. He's getting, he's actually improving in that, that area. And the Singh brothers, I think, are constantly improving. So the old, the pres- look, the idea of Jinder being a superstar with the Singh brothers, I'm not, I'm not against. I'm not over with. Our, our problems, obviously, had been the idea of him at the belt. But you're already announcing that he's still going to have the belt in December. It's just, it's a little, it's, look, it's just a little bit like, can we pretend that this isn't fake, please? Do you have to? Is that, did you have to boast that one final fact? That, that do you think the people in our country watching are going to care that the no WWE champions ever defended it in India? Now that you told me that, now I know that Jinder's definitely the champion through December. And look, Jinder, by the way, on that tour in India last week, on some what, what looked to be like a Facebook Live interview, challenged John Cena to a match at next year's WrestleMania, and the WWE India account retweeted it. I don't know if that means anything. But it looks like Jinder's going to have this belt for a while, and you might be able to guess that. But don't tell me on the air that he's still going to have the belt of Survivor Series. Make me think that he might lose it, that he might end up getting, you know, 17 F5s to break Lesnar's oh, record you, against you Cena. poor, the- innocent Mark. You poor, poor, innocent Mark. Basically, Brian Campbell, a seven-year-old, dropped in the body of someone in his mid-30s. Like, really, Brian? Like, you know what it's about, buddy? It ain't about you. It ain't about me. Wow. It ain't about silver king you know what it's about it's about dollars it's about dollars and it's about cents and it's about that india tour and it's about making that money that's True. what wwe cares about. that's the smart reaction but again in this case on this podcast i'm a fan right now i'm telling you what i liked and i didn't like you know what i mean so i know the big picture but i also give a lot and i hate drawing this sword, but I also put a lot of hours into this each week as a fan, right? It, it, oh, to watch here this we thing. go. Here we go. Uh, empty the tank, Brian. I Tell mean, so, you, really you know, I didn't, I didn't mean to be angry this week. I'm just saying, don't show me. Don't, right to be. don't put holes in the side of the, the Hell in the Cell cage so I know they're going to climb up that, all right? Don't put extra padding under the table and then, and then put the camera right next to it. There's little things don't show me. Let me guess and try to figure out, all right? Couple, so, couple, th- couple things. One, Jinder Mahal will not have this title past Royal Rumble. I'm putting a guarantee on that, and I don't know what I can put up for grabs, but I'm guaranteeing he won't have this title past WrestleMania. 
and BC, I just wanted to add, because you mentioned it earlier, everything that we're talking about with Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar, who's an absent champion, feeds into your earlier point about things seem, seeming kind of mundane here in, in October, heading into November in WWE. It's because your two champions aren't at the top of your business. They're not on TV every week, and if they are, they're someone that you don't really believe in as world champion. It's something we've discussed ad nauseum here for the last few months, and it just bleeds into the rest of the problems on Raw and SmackDown. It starts at the top of both uh, brands. Um, I, I will say that when this match does become official, I think the promo work's going to be pretty electric here because Jinder's going to be put in, in a position he has not been in, where he has always been the chicken you-know-what heel who has come out and always had the Singh brothers by his side. And he's had, what, Nakamura, who can't really cut a great promo. He's had Orton. Orton was put in an uncomfortable position there, job three straight months to Jinder. He's going to have to endure the wrath now. Paul Heyman, because Paul Heyman is going to eviscerate Jinder Mahal and, well, on the microphone. And even better, though, look at what Samoa Joe told us in this podcast, how much working with Paul elevated him, meaning behind the scenes, Paul helping writing, Paul giving him tips. At the same time, yes, he'll get eviscerated on the air by Paul, but how much will Jinder improve in this program? Exactly. So so here's what's going to happen. Um, this is not a spoiler. Heyman's going to destroy Jinder on Raw, destroy him. And then Jinder's going to respond on SmackDown. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Jinder Mahal does on Tuesday night in that unfamiliar role. And this is why I'm kind of into it. Because like Silver King said, Jinder's telling a story now. And Jinder is sort of acknowledging for the first time the fact that no one really... You know, I know that he says that like, oh, I'm not your xenophobes, whatever. But it's the first time he's really said like, yeah, you know, like I haven't really given you a reason to really think that I'm this great champion. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to slay the beast. So he has established himself as the clear underdog, whereas he has always bandied himself about as the big time favorite. So it's a different role for Jinder and he's going to be not on the offensive as he has been throughout these other feuds. He is going to be on the defensive and you will see Jinder on raw. And I think Jinder is going to get massive heel heat leading up to survivor series. My problem, Bri, unless they do a, some kind of schmoz finish, as you called it here, the match is going to be freaking terrible. Like these two are not going to put on a good match. There's yeah, no, they have, they have to put off a heavyweight match and a heavyweight match means 10 minutes. It means Brock versus Goldberg a couple times, right? You got to, they got to do a heavyweight match that has big spots. There's a Singh brothers going through tables that has Brock somehow in a compromising situation. But yeah, don't, don't try to do anything more than that. No people's limit and do that and that's something they didn't do they didn't know the limitations of Shinsuke and Jinder right they didn't really know the limitations even of Randy and Jinder which is why they ran the same match with the same finish four straight times give us something different here all right and uh, with that that concludes the double main event portion of in this corner and Brian that means we move on to hero or zero drop that zero and get with the hero well we'll throw silver back king there. silver we'll, king we'll that, was a, that we'll was a horrendous th drop we'll throw silver back king, there. We, we have established how much you love Russia, you are the corrupt Russian judge, so comrade, lead us off best of five, hero or zero. I do prefer that intro to the other one. The song is great, but that's a classic line, and I really like that a lot. Let's start with number one. Guys, contrary to my fears that he would be gone for months, the demon did indeed return Monday night on Raw. Except a different type of fear was realized for me, guys, because the demon was orange, and he looked like a pumpkin, just in time for Halloween to fight a cross-dressing Bray Wyatt as Sister Abigail on TLC. Hero or Zero BC on WWE using the demon this way and the direction that WWE is going with this match. Well, you basically stole my points there. It's an obvious, Sorry, it's an obvious zero right there. I mean, it was a problem up to this point, meaning the last few weeks, that they were ruining 
Bray Wyatt's character. Now they are ruining Finn Balor's character. Yes, they are. Are you freaking kidding me? A pumpkin demon? Like, get the hell out of there. Are you trying to, to actually, like, sell orange pumpkin demon mask to kids? Is that the only reason why we would do this? Because storyline-wise, once again, there's no reason why we should be at this point in this feud. We already have convoluted everything and like, well, I can beat him not being a demon, but I can't beat him. At, well, well, no, I, I can't beat him this way, but now I can't. Well, well, no, he put a rag over his face and he talks like a girl, so now I can't beat him. It's such a mess. And to see Finn like, if Finn was just himself and he's thinking to himself, all right, I got to finish out this feud and then I'll be done, that would be totally fine. Instead, Finn now has to come into this and, like, play ball and, and paint his face orange and match his, as a baby face, his evil demon skills against. Like, this is such. This is just such crap. It's like, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing right now is regurgitating that it's such crap. This actually made me hurt inside to see Finn have to go to this level. You want to do the demon three times a year? That's fine. Don't freaking on an October pay-per-view color your face orange. Like, get the hell out of here. I not only want to not watch this, I don't want to know the result. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't ever want to be associated with the demon versus sister <laughs> Abigail at Hell in the Cell on October whatever, 2017. It's like it never happened. You you know, like when you interview Kane in real life, you can't bring up Isaac Yankin or he's going to get really mad at you. Don't ever bring up to me again that Pumpkin Finn was in a match against uh, Bray Wyatt with a sock over his face. I'm done. It's a zero. Great, great. Can't wait to talk about it moving on in the podcast. It's we're going to have to at some point, Bry. Um, WWE is essentially like, you know, like the little kid who touches the hot stove and burns the hell out of his hand. And he thinks, you know what? I'm not going to touch the stove again because I don't want to get burned. Well, WWE went through the supernatural crap with Bray Wyatt in the feud with Randy Orton, but you know, culminating in that S show at WrestleMania with the bugs in the ring and all that garbage. And you know what WWE said? I can't wait to get burned again. And they've got both hands right down clamped on the stove, burning the hell out of themselves here because they have not learned their lesson. Do you know what this is essentially for Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor? It's like taking Kobe Bryant and putting Kobe Bryant at center or taking Steph Curry and playing Steph Curry at power forward. You have two studs here that you are playing out of position. Bray Wyatt is awesome. Why does he have to do sister Abigail and pantomime that he's a woman? Finn Balor is awesome. Why does Finn Balor have to be involved and sucked down into this dreck, into this crap, into this mess? Of course, it's absolutely awful. And if I'm Bray Wyatt in real life, Oh my God, he's got so much talent. Look what they're giving him to work with. I mean, I think he's going home to JoJo, so God bless him. That's really the one saving grace in this guy's life because he's being set up to fail each and every week. I mean, Finn Balor, roll the ball. This is, it's so easy. Kathy Kelly, roll guy, Kathy Kelly, there. let's be honest, right? The rumors are Kathy Kelly, not JoJo. No, but that's Finn Balor with Kathy yes. Kelly, right? Not, not, no, no, I'm talking oh, about Oh, yeah, you're talking about, yeah. Oh, wow, I missed that one, yeah. See, both these guys are winning outside of the ring, so God bless them. So they can yeah. go home. And so maybe we should stop stuff. talking about guys with face paint and just instead talk about how much they're winning outside the ring. I mean, seriously. But, like, this is so easy. Roll the ball out there and let your stars just do what they do. But no, they're being played out of position. Of course it's stupid. It's hokey. It's dumb. It's a zero. I felt the hurt from UBC, but Nick comes with the topical NBA references just as the season's getting going, and he wins the first point. All right, that, you want me to do NBA references? Finn on Monday night was Gordon Hayward in the first five minutes of the Celtics-Cavs game, Ooh. all right? Too soon? Yeah. Uh, all right, that's not going to win you the point back. All right, number two here. Tuesday night, let's move on to SmackDown. Sami Zayn completed his heel turn first by heckling Daniel Bryan about his retirement and then cheating to beat Randy Orton. Shane McMahon will be back next week to address... This ongoing saga with Zayn and Kevin Owens. Nick, hero or zero on how this heel turn has gone so far? 
And I love that tag team match with Zayn and Owens going over Nakamura and Orton in the finish. Sammy Zayn with the low blow on Orton and the Haluva kick. Zayn beats Randy Orton. Um, I mean, if you you could say that this is a zero, but you would be wrong and you are welcome to your incorrect opinion. Brian, I doubt you'll disagree with me here. It's awesome. I mean, Sami Zayn's promo was freaking tremendous and he's very smug about it, which I think makes it really cool. Like he's not acting dastardly. He hasn't changed the way he talks. He's not coming up with 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 a grimace on his face. He's still smiling. He's just going, I don't care anymore. And you actually believe him. Calling Daniel Bryan Mr. Bella was tremendous. Saying Daniel Bryan's a housewife was tremendous. Kevin Owens' inclusion in this is tremendous. The two of them are fantastic together. And you know what it is? It's an injection of freshness into SmackDown Live. Because now you've got, where are they going to go from here? Do we get a Zayn Orton program with Zayn as the heel? Are we going to see Zayn Nakamura or Owens Nakamura? There's just new matchups here. And I want to give Sami Zayn a ton of credit. And again, like I'll pat myself on the back for the great question I asked to Kevin Owens a couple weeks ago. Where, Ke- where Sami Zayn is now getting the opportunity. And he's got his ball and he's running with it. Not just walking, but running. He's been awesome. He's been a highlight the last few weeks. I love their work. And I think these two are going to continue to make magic together it's a major major zero uh hero excuse me capital h capital e capital r capital o bold it italicize it underline it it's absolutely awesome every time sammy smoke spoke this week on smackdown it was the best part of the entire episode and it's obviously a major hero but here's really like the difference sammy has a baby face the past few months if you even even outside of the fact that he always lost was really pitched as this annoying guy who who you know couldn't keep his mouth shut and was kind of an idiot they say sometimes turning heel is really when these performers find out who they really can be and who they really are. Sammy is so intelligent as a heel. It's intelligent comedy. It's it's a really thinking man's thing that he's coming off as such gold. And while KO and Jericho were... Uh, Gold is the best word. They were gold as a duo. They could take really hilarious work and mix it in with Chris Jericho's one-liners and really produce actual gold. The thing, though, KO was like the sidekick in that. KO was sort of like the hype man. KO would fill in a line once in a while, but it was Jericho's show. What I'm watching with KO and Zayn is that they're both loving this. It feels like they're both injecting 50-50 into this. It feels like they're injecting a lot of who they probably really are on the road, hanging out together, traveling up and down territories all across Canada for 15 years, you know, on this journey that led them through Ring of Honor into NXT, into WWE. You love all that. And Silver King, you texted me something at the end of that show where you said the last 90 seconds, last last couple minutes, you felt like it was improv. And I, I said, oh, let me let me check this out. It really kind of felt like it did. And whether it was or not, they're giving you that feeling like it could be because they're so loose and they're so fun. And Owens hold hugging him. Hold me tight was a great Hold line, me right? tight. Goes, I mean, me I rewound tight, that yeah. like four times. It's hilarious. It's a gold because it's Sami Zayn. Being who maybe he should have been all along, you know, outside of the old generico gimmick, maybe this is who the real Sami Zayn is supposed to be. Really, really close one, guys. The tie goes to the man whose name is on the marquee, BC, so we're 1-1, entering number three. A few months ago, we were asked by our listeners what pay-per-view we would want to bring back if we had a, a choice. And you guys both said Fall Brawl with War Games, the match beyond. And as luck would have it, it is coming back as an NXT pay-per-view. It's going to be a little bit different format, triple threat tag team match, Sanity against the Undisputed Era, against the Authors of Pain. Obviously, there's only two members of that team. I doubt they'll add a third. Hero or Zero BC on War Games returning, this time in WWE, with the NXT brand and the way it's kind of being formatted, not two large teams. 
Oh, it's 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 such a hero. It's such a hero for nostalgic purposes, but it's a hero for Paul Triple H Levesque because, by the way, it's the thing we always rip on Vince for. Outside of the Great American Bash a decade ago, he's sort of slow or non-willing to bring back things he didn't create, bring back WCW title, you know, names of things, bring back things that shine light on his once great competitor that he squashed in the past. Wouldn't I love to see War Games as its own main roster pay-per-view with its own match? Of course I would. But you know, the only one in the company that was able to actually pull this off was Paul Levesque Triple H. And I'm not even convinced to this day that Vince even knows that NXT is a thing or watches it at all. But if that's the truth, then let it stay the truth. Because I almost would rather want this under the NXT roster because we know it's going to be booked and carried out in almost an old school feel because that's where Paul Levesque came from, right? The the final stages of, of the territory days. And I feel like these three teams involved, and it was... AOP, who interrupted the Sanity Undisputed Era match this week in the main event of NXT, which really shows you that they're going in that direction. Guys, if you take two of the three teams in here, AOP and and Sanity, and you look at the kind of matches they've had against each other and against other teams at TakeOvers recently, there's no way this can't be gold. As long as they, and they haven't announced what the rules will be, as long as the rules are close enough to what the old rules used to be, this could be, uh, it's a nostalgic kick, it's also a, a... kind of shot in the arm that, that NXT really needs and, and the proper ending for the launch of the Undisputed Era to see if they can, how they'll contend with these two giant teams. Massive, massive hero. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. He, here's the problem sometimes with the hero or zero format, because I'm either like, if Brian goes first and he says what the answer is, I, I can either lie and I could go the other way just to be contrarian or I can be honest, which I always like to be and that's kind of what I have to be here. Um, this is going to be great because Triple H's hands are all over it. That's 100% right. Now, the only thing that you can say why it's a zero, and it's not a zero, but you can sort of finagle the point to make it like this, I wish it were WWE. I wish it were on the main roster. I wish it was either Raw or SmackDown. But it's not, and it probably won't be, unless it's a huge success and Vince goes, okay, let's bring it over to the main stuff. But this is going to be great because Triple H's hands are all over it. So, of course, it's going to be cool. Of course, it's a hero. The only thing that you could say to maybe make it a zero is it's on NXT and it's not on Raw. But ultimately, it's going to be pretty good. And, Bri, I will echo your sentiments. Thank you, Triple H. Thank you, Paul, for making this happen. It should be pretty damn cool. Quick follow-up question. If WWE made War Games the main event of every Survivor Series going forward, was is that a hero or zero BC? Oh, it's perfect because that's the the traditional five on five team format. That's where it would really rule. But uh, but Vince, by the way, while living, would never, will never, would do, never this do that because yeah, if you you know if you look at the timelines, was Survivor Series in reaction to the first War Games? I think War Games came before the first Survivor right. Series. Right. So if, if sure, I think I if, could be wrong. If Vince was reactionary and ever even coming up with the original format for Survivor Series, then. You know, nah, there's no chance. And you can also maybe argue that the Royal Rumbles concept was stolen a bit from the idea of Survivor, of war games with somebody coming in every you know minute and a half and you're not sure which team they're coming in from and there's you know disadvantages, disadvantages. Yeah, obviously that'd be a massive hero. He'll never do it. Yeah, well, well here's the thing. The winners rewrite history. If the Germans had won World War II, we'd all be speaking German right now, but they didn't, so we're not. Silver King, go ahead. That is true. Number four, Sinkara picked up a countout victory over Baron Corbin on Tuesday and appears to be in line for a U.S. title feud with Corbin himself. Whether this is promotion for that Eddie Guerrero special edition footlocker tribute or not, Nick, hero zero on Baron Corbin going from feuds with AJ Styles and John Cena to Sinkara. 
Well, I don't think this is going to be a feud with Sin Cara. I think this is just going to be, it'll lead to a title match. Baron Corbin's going to win. I think this is just building the bridge to whatever the next big program for Baron Corbin is going to be. I don't know that I really have a strong take on this one, one way or the other. Um, I didn't mind what they did with getting Corbin, um, giving him the U.S. title belt, because he is a decent mid-level heel. So I think he's not a bad fit there. They had to get the belt off AJ Styles, because you can do bigger and better things with AJ. I don't think that this is going to be a big feud. Baron Corbin and Sin Cara. I think it'll lead to a title match, which Baron Corbin will win. I don't really have an issue with it. I'll be honest, I don't really have a strong feeling on it. I'll give it a slight hero, but I don't really care. I think it can become a hero because you know I love when guys get an opportunity. That's why I originally like when Jinder was in that title match against Randy Orton. It was like, oh, they're, they're going to elevate him. They're going to see what he has. Sankara, hey, we just talked to him. We love his backstory. You know, he, he can put forth some good matches. Let's see him do it. I don't believe he's going to win the title, but let's give him this shine. Whether the shine is Eddie Guerrero, Foot Locker, Reebok, or Hispanic Heritage Month, which you can also say, you know, is that ironic that Kalisto wins this, wins the Cruiserweight title during this month? Who knows? With that said, it's different because this, I think, is a different Baron Corbin. We played that sound last week from that promo, that incredible promo that he gave to end SmackDown, which I thought was a turning point moment in his career. As far as I'm concerned, the Baron Corbin we knew of the past year is gone. His rest of his career begins now, and if it's Sin Cara to just tune him up and let him put, you know, let him have somebody who can fly and bounce off of him and do big moves, and then Baron's going to obviously crush him and go over. I think it's going to be a hero all the way around. I'm with it. And by the way, shout out to our guy Sin Cara. Way to go. Another real Sin Cara. Yeah, definitely. Another real close one. I'm going to go with Nick here. Guys, I want to make a couple, uh, you know, just fact things from our previous conversation here. War Games, first one that was actually a pay-per-view uh, for Fall Brawl or whatever. July 4th, 1987, Survivor Series, first Survivor Series, November 26th. 1987. So it is a couple months later. Don't know if it was a reaction. And the first ever Royal Rumble was January 1998, a few months after that. So, yeah, maybe there is little interesting stuff going on there. All right. Number five, the championship question here for hero or zero tensions are rising between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at last Sunday's Global Wars pay-per-view. That was a Ring of Honor event. WWE took plenty of heat, including Rhodes, Rhodes, I'm sorry, making fun of Reigns ring gear for so long. I thought that tactical vest was just covering up his pop belly, he said. I thought that tactical vest was just covering up a failed drug test. Oh, no, it was covering up something much worse. It was covering up envy. Reigns responds, I don't need to click the link and watch it. If that house didn't draw 100,000, he's just talking silly. Hashtag walkover talk. BC, hero or zero on the Bullet Club, continuing to poke the WWE bear and its top star in order to get attention. You know what? I gave it a zero when they did that invasion on Raw because I felt like it was a little too forced, a little bit too cheesy, not their best foot moving forward. I give this, though, a hero. You want to know why? It comes down to this. All reports, Cody said it himself in the ring during his promo, and a lot of internet sites have backed it up, was that this was the highest grossing week and highest grossing pay-per-view in Ring of Honor history. So them basically trying to make it a war and using WWE and him getting into a Twitter war with Roman Reigns and using the publicity that comes to that is actually helping them. This is making it a hero because now it's kind of a poor man's WCW, WWF, Monday Night War thing where you want to see the next time Cody's on being the elite or the next time Cody's has a microphone on Ring of Honor, you want to hear what he's going to say. And then you're checking Roman's Twitter account to see what he's going to say. And it's using them to build up your own name. I love it. I love it in this case. It's not as cheesy as that fake invasion. I think this is the right way to do it. It's a, it's a hero. I, I kind of go back and forth on this. 
you guys know that I love Omega. I love the Young Bucks. I love the Bullet Club. I, I don't like Cody Rhodes as much as you guys do, but I do like Cody. Part of me feels like it's very, not that feels like, it is very smart what they've done. Because in essence, they've become bigger stars. The Bullet Club has, the Young Bucks have, Omega has in the States, Cody Rhodes has, because of the cease and desist, because of what they've done, because of their trying to you know draw get heat off of the WWE name. So I can't really hate on them for that. So it's a hero in that respect. Here's the problem. They're coming across as like second rate, look at me, like riding the coattails of WWE. And I think that their work kind of speaks for itself. Like they didn't need to do that during G1 or during Dominion or during last year's Wrestle Kingdom or leading up to Wrestle Kingdom this year for us to talk about them. Why? Because they're awesome. Like all these guys are great and put on great matches. To me, it feels sort of pathetic. And I really do feel that way. Like Cody Rhodes going out there and taking shots at Roman Reigns. He's basically saying, please, please, like, please, Roman Reigns, please mention me so that I can get more exposure for me. Like, please, guys, please, WWE, pay attention to us so more people will know us. Let your freaking work speak for itself. I mean, really, Cody Rhodes going out there and bashing Roman Reigns. Like, it is such a transparent attempt to try and ride the coattails of WWE's biggest stars for a bigger reaction for himself. Do I think it's smart to do it in a business sense? I can't disagree with that. But does the human being in me think, hey, dude, let your work speak for itself. Stop trying to ride their coattails. You guys are good enough as it is. Yeah. So ultimately, I'm going to give it a zero because I don't think they need to pull this crap. Just do what you do, and that should be good enough. Roman Reigns has headlined, what, four straight WrestleManias? Cody Rhodes is headlining Global Wars pay-per-view. We all know how that turns out, and we all know who won Hero or Zero this week. Well, it's the handsome one. Well, Nick let's be honest, Nick. Nick, you can go rewind my answer as to why them doing the invasion a couple weeks ago wasn't good, and Nick just gave all the same points. So you know, I mean, it's it's fine though. Yeah, that's true. But this question wasn't about last week; it was about this week, and Nick gave the right answer and the correct answer and the best answer for this week, and he is the winner of Hero or Zero. Thank you very much, Silver King, uh, the comrade there, the corrupt Russian judge. Not so corrupt this week, because I agree. I did win. Now, Bri, we have been on a roll with the interviews on the show. We released our special bonus podcast with the Million Dollar Man. We've had Sin Cara recently, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, many others. It has been absolutely terrific. And you had the opportunity, good sir, to sit down with the cruiserweight champion, Kalisto earlier this week tell the audience about it lead us into that interview yeah I was excited to talk to him because like it was the same thing with Sin Cara you don't always get these opportunities to talk to some of these mid-card guys who who can get a cup of coffee in a higher program and right now Kalisto doing well as the Cruiserweight Champion how long will that last well you have to obviously tune in Sunday for TLC pay-per-view to find that but good to talk to Kalisto but just a little warning he kayfabe me a couple times I'm sure you'll pick that up easily but great to chat with him let's hear from Kalisto Oh, very pleased to welcome in the WWE Cruiserweight Champion Kalisto this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, WWE Network, right? WWE TLC tables, yeah. ladders, and chairs from the Target Center in Minneapolis, defending your title against Enzo Amore. Look, Kalisto, you, you've done some big things in this company already. A couple runs with that U.S. title belt main roster. This is a different shift in your career. You're now headlining 205 Live, you know, appearing on Raw with that Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. What was your excitement level when offered this turn and this opportunity? Well, you know what? At first, uh, when I was talking to Kurt Angle about the situation and the feeling that I had uh, when Enzo Amore won the uh, Cruiserweight title, um, I felt like there were... It, 
the way that he won was to me and to everybody else felt unfair for everybody because uh like what it is with him is that at first he uh he did this clause like if, they were, if anybody touched him uh then nobody gets a, a shot at the cruiserweight title and you know what to me it seemed unfair i'm like hey that's not fair to the other guys i mean they they've uh they've clawed their way to get where they are now and i believe that every single one of them deserves a shot of that title and because Enzo Mori did that clause that if anybody touched him, then nobody gets a shot of that title. So, you know what? And I pulled Kurt Angle aside. I mean, you know what? Let me uh, let, let me do something about it because I, I, I can't just sit back and and watch this happen because I felt there was a slap to the face to me and to the entire Cruiserweight division. So I did something about it and I confronted <laughs> him and now he sees competition and as you saw um, me beating him on Monday Night Raw, we closed down Monday Night Raw w- uh, with the Cruiserweights, me versus Enzo Mora in the Lumberjack match, and I ended up beating, beating him fair and square. And now he gets his second shot, and he decides to make it at TLC. I'm like, you know what? Just bring it. Well, this has been a really cool storyline because it almost feels like it's touching on some real-life things, meaning Enzo's coming in doing an almost realistic angle in terms of people being mad at him. Why is this guy getting this opportunity? Yet yet with him involved, like you mentioned, three straight weeks, cruiserweights in the main event on Raw. Seems like a much more buzz and hype surrounding 205 Live. What has been the locker room reaction to Enzo jumping over there and then instantly getting this big a push in what he's doing to the brand here? Well, right now, I'm getting everybody's support right now. And they want me to be Enzo again. Um, support's everything. And I guess once, once, I, once I get rid of Enzo, I believe and I feel that everyone should get a shot at my title, at my Cruiserweight title. And I, I believe that's the only way fair things to do. And, but with Enzo uh, facing me on TLC, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely confident because I have such a background, I traveled the world and worked against the best. And with Enzo, he just has a big mouth, and he's very sneaky, though. But <laughs> that's how he won the title, you know. He was just very sneaky, and uh, he he finds ways on how to how to like uh, how to win. And the thing is that, like, with he, he's in the ring with professionals and world travelers. You know what I mean? So he's in there with the best. And he is going to be in there with the best uh, this Sunday at TLC because he doesn't know what he uh, what he's getting himself into. Kalisa, what had been your opinion of the division since it was launched in 2016? With the incre- I think it's incredible that cruiserweight classic tournament, and then that turned into the weekly show. People thought in the beginning maybe you would be a part of that. Maybe you should be a part of that. Obviously, you were doing other things on the main roster at the time. What had been your opinion up to this point of of how the cruiserweights have been presented? I think it's great. I mean, at the time, when it first opened, I believe it was the best thing. I'm like, wow, these cruiserweights are going to display, like I always say, their art inside and outside the ring, meaning they're going to display the the best of the best. And now, um, who knew that we were going to close down Monday Night Raw and we were going to, we were, we've been headlining uh, Monday Night Raw for three weeks. It's, it's just surreal. I, I never thought this was going to happen, but it just happens. You know what I mean? So when we actually uh, 
work hard and we put effort and we keep working hard like all the cruiserweights and everybody else in the locker room does, things happen. You know, it might take some time. It might take some hard work, but things do happen. And I, I saw my opportunity and I saw the unfairness that, that was happening. And you know what? I just took a stand. I couldn't, I couldn't let this happen. You know, uh, I, I've no, I, I know and worked almost half the roster of the two five live. And I know, I know them before WWE and I know what they can do. And I know the new talent now. And it's just, it's just great. You know, everybody has talent. And now I, I believe 205 Live can take it to another level. Who, who knows? Maybe in the future we're going to we – who knows? We can probably headline a pay-per-view, a WWE pay-per-view. Who knows? Anything's possible. Well, that's, the, that's the thing about WWE that I love, that everything's full of surprises. Well, certainly adding your talents from a certainly from an in-ring percentage, just just, you know, forget your name, forget what else you can do. Just from in-ring, adding your talents really raises the ante for 205 Live for the Cruiserweights. I wanted to kind of ask you about that style. How influenced were you from that glory period in the late 90s when Cruiserweights really got a push in like WCW, ECW? You saw guys like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio Jr. How much did they have an influence on the style that you're putting out there today? Oh man, you know what? I always say, like, you know what? They changed the game. They are the reason why we're here. Because not only they did amazing stuff, but we're taking it to another level. We're taking it to a level that people haven't seen yet. And there's still more to show. The cruiserweights uh, in the in the 90s. And so and so far on, like they motivated us to uh, push even more harder because they're they're a great inspiration. Like how you said, uh, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, they were my inspiration too. You know, uh, there's so many cruiserweights that are such inspirations, but Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero are bigger names too, and they they made an impact on everybody. They, I believe that they are the reason why we are here because we want to make a name for ourselves too and we want to make some big noise and i believe that this is a good start yeah certainly and i almost feel like there's a little tell me if i'm wrong here there's a little rob van dam in you at times i almost see some of that like pure gymnastics (laughs) background is that true and what what is your real sporting background to, to to you know that makes you who you are today Oh man! First of all, let me let me see. Uh, what what makes you say that? Because that's funny. Because uh, I was a big, and I'm still a, I am a big uh, Rob Van Dam fan. Also, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of every style. You know, like Rey Mysterio has his own style. Eddie Guerrero has his own style. Rob Van Dam has his own style. And even uh, a wrestler from Japan that I. I have also admired named Hayabusa. Yes, he he has his own style. You know what I mean? Like, but Robin Dam is one of the one of the guys. I he, like how his entrance says, "One of a kind." He's one of a kind, and he's one of the guys too that inspired me. I'm like, wow, this guy can go. You know, like he. I'm, I was also a fan of like John Carl Van Dam movies. They reminded me of him too, and and uh, how he does the splits, and I can I can do the splits and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. So it, like. It inspired me too, you know. Like it helped me push, and I, I guess you can say there's a little bit in me, you know, because I'm everybody's a fan. Everybody in the company grew up being a fan, and then now they're like they're 
they've been inspired somehow or some somewhere they they were inspired differently and now they're doing their dream you know they're working their dream job so you can say um there's a little bit in me <laughs> but <laughs> It's funny you say that, though. Oh, I, sometimes I can see it, and obviously you've evolved your style. You've put in, you know, influences. You've you've put in stuff of your own. You handle the big spot, really, unlike anybody else. And let's mention a big spot here. This is TLC on Sunday, <laughs> two years ago. TLC 2015. Kalisto hits the Salida del Sol off the top of the ladder on Jay Huso, oh, crashing man. down through the second ladder below. Kalisto, my kids, massive fans of yours. I've never seen them pop Thanks. bigger for a moment in their WWE history than that move right there. What do you remember about that? Oh, man. You know what? Um, just uh, just yesterday, I did a up, up, down, down video with uh, Xavier Woods and New, well, New Day. I was there with them, and we we're filming each other, our reactions, watching ourselves in that match. And uh, it'll be available soon. It's an uh, up, up, down, down show on YouTube. And yeah, and it, when we watched that back and they were telling me like, like, man, Kalisa, what were you thinking? I'm like, well, that's the thing. I wasn't thinking. It just <laughs> happened. <laughs> because like, we're, fil- we're filled with the adrenaline and we're excited and we want to do anything possible to get those tag team titles. And I don't know, just something sparked in me. And I hear the the people roar. And and it's just, I hear them scream even louder. I'm like, you know what? This is it. Let's, let's go for it. <laughs> and then, the, and I ended up just going for it. And the thing I remembered always is that I remember like when I was flipping over the ladder, me, doing a split in midair and then falling. And I remember telling myself, like, wow, this is taking a long time to fall. Like, I wonder when I'm, when I'm going to hit. So I, that's how high it was. It was a really tall ladder. Are you scared and at the top of that? The, are, you, are you, is there fear? Uh, well, yeah, the thing is that, like, I was so high up. I, I remember I, I looked down for a split second and it, I instantly felt that fear. I'm like, oh my God, this is so high. But then I, fo- I kept focusing on one of the Usos and I, we kept fighting and fighting. And you know what? This is it. Let me take you down because I got to let my partner go up there and win those tag team titles. But unfortunately, they ended up, uh, New Day ended up winning that day. And I still consider that they one of the best matches. TLC matches I've ever had and it was exciting and it was awesome we were all having fun and it's just like the crowd we man it was it was amazing no it was very surreal it. like the reactions they had you know it's it's really really amazing to think about it one of the it's best of moments like you said in TLC history we'll see if you can repeat upon that in a new way this Sunday against Enzo Amore when you defend <laughs> that Cruiserweight well, Championship well, I'm a little crazy, but that's that's the thing. Like a lot of the guys, I'm like, man, Kalisto, you're crazy. But I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, if I get pushed to my limit, you know. But Absolutely. Other than that, I mean, it was it was it's fun. You know, I love doing what I what I do. Well, we'll see you again, 8 p.m. Eastern, WWE Network, this Sunday from the Target Center, in Minneapolis. Kalisto, thanks so much for your time. Great to hear, you know, the the backstory a little bit there. Hear about your big moments. Great. Thanks so much for joining us.
Thank you so much. No, thank you for your time. Brian, give us your impressions from the interview. Look, you know, I love to hear the hunger in some of these guys where they come from. Kalisto's not the best talker. I, I wasn't going to call him out as much for, for telling me how angry he is in storyline with Amori. I wanted a little bit more from him in behind the scenes there. But to hear the, the real passion in him talking about that great spot we saw two years ago, like I told him, my kid's favorite spot to this day, you know, to, to hear from behind the mask on, on the things he thought. I thought it was really interesting to hear from him and really kind of endeared me to him even more. That is awesome, and we will see Kalisto. Great job by you, Brian, on that interview. We will see Kalisto defend his Cruiserweight Championship Sunday at TLC against Enzo Amore. So let's begin our preview of the TLC card. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on a lot of these matches because most of them are not very good, but let's start with the match on the kickoff show. Brian, give me a few seconds or however long you want to talk. Alicia Fox, Sasha Banks. Well, we shouldn't care about this this feud at all because it's just kind of like a stay busy for Sasha Banks until something bigger so Mickey James can basically have her moment, right? We'll get to that in a second. But I can't lie. Alicia Fox made me care about it this week because when she goes crazy, when she goes 0 to 60, sometimes it works. And when she I agree. When she took out Sasha Banks backstage on Raw this week, it opened my eyes quickly. It was brutal. There was like real trash talking in between. There was the kind of trash talk from Sasha coming back almost like Sasha saying, "Are you serious? Are you really trying to assault me this hard and fake wrestling?" Like I almost got that feel. And when you get that feel like it's real, you kind of go, "Hey, if they're smart and they can carry this momentum into the kickoff show, I might watch this match and I might care about it. So that's where I'm at right now. But, Nick, there's no way we're going to believe the Fox is going over. Let's let's be honest. Uh, no, Sasha Banks should win this match. How about a cruiserweight tag team match? The Brian Kendrick. How about Brian Kendrick stealing your line? The Brian Campbell. <laughs> the Brian Kendrick. And Jack Gallagher against Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan. Uh, you know, this is the thing where I've liked Gallagher's heel turn, which has been slowly told over the past two months. I don't know Gallagher, if I... Gallagher, uh, Gallagher, 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 who cares, Gallagher, uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't know if I like Gala, him going... Uh, Gala, Gala, not going to work here anymore. Going from wrestling in the rainbow-colored uh, briefs to now wrestling in a full three-piece suit. That's his prerogative with... with, with uh, but, uh, yeah, nobody cares about this. Let's be really honest. Nobody cares about this. Why are we talking about it? There's Robert, no storyline here. Do you care here. about this, yes or no? Uh... There's very little on this entire card I care about, and a cruiserweight tag team match is certainly not one of those things. And these guys, by the way, these guys could put forth together a great match. Sure. But they probably won't because WWE right now is only booking the cruiserweight division with Enzo jokes, and it's been fun, but they're not allowing these guys to put on five-star matches anymore. So, All right, so let's, let's, let's move on then to the cruiserweight championship match. Bri Kalisto defending against Enzo Amore. Enzo has, now has a heel cruiserweight faction, and... I just don't know. I feel like this whole thing really sucks. What do you think? I think, look, it was a temporary decision. Maybe it was involving Hispanic Heritage Month to give Kalisto his moment. Maybe it was uh, a sort of a reactionary thing to Neville in real life, walking off Raw when he saw the booking for that night, and that switched things up. But either way, you give Kalisto a week or two to shine here. I think the belt's going back on Enzo because he's the money man in this division, for better or for worse, personally. Obviously, I'd love if this division was basically the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament all the time. Instead, it's cheesy booking and not really anybody watching it. So, uh, And I hate to turn that sour, but the belt's going back on Enzo. I don't really love the, the heel faction that he's building around him but he's still delivering and that's all that matters right now these guys actually might put forth together a fun match because let's not underrate it Kalisto's a worker Kalisto can work like hell hopefully we'll see some of that in this match but the belt's going back on Enzo yeah I don't know how I feel about this um I liked it the first couple weeks I've soured on it as well just because 
I don't know. Like, there's no real personality there in the division besides for Enzo. So unless they really build some of these guys up here, like, what the hell is it going to be? It's just going to be Enzo cutting the same 10, 15-minute promo every week with, like, three guys behind him who don't talk. Like, they've really got to do, like, if they're really going to do something with this here and they're going to have these cruiserweights be a big part of the show, which I'm all for if it's done correctly, you got to give them some personality or you got to give them 15, 20 minutes to tell a story in the ring like WCW used to do on Nitro in the mid-'90s. So or, one of Nick, those two things had to happen. Or you have to book it like the Indies or book it like Japan where the title means so much that that's the whole story, right? The whole story is who's next in line for the title this means everything for him to get there and he's gonna fight like hell to get that wwe instead wants to tell the story about you know whatever so it's it, it would it would literally take wwe like two years to build it up to that degree like it's never gonna happen which i know that you know i know you're not disagreeing with that but yeah so it's, something needs to happen in order to make this cruiserweight division be pretty good raw women's championship alexa bliss this has been a pretty good program this month alexa bliss set to retain against the mature mickey james it's you've had good performances, but I don't think this has been a really good program. I don't think, again, that this makes sense in the storyline why James would get this title shot, why we have Sasha Banks fighting Alicia Fox and we have Nia Jax not even on the screen with rumors that she's upset and that, you know, more to come as, uh, to, as, as details come clear on that. But it doesn't really make sense except for this. Mickey James gave a promo this week on Raw, talked about her three-year-old son at home that she can't wait to get back to. Nick, it felt like to me she was saying, I'm leaving and I'm getting off the road full-time after this. And that might be the case. Why else would they speed her into a quick program here for the title and forget all of her booking that happened before this when she was jobbing out to Emma two weeks in a row and, and not doing anything? It felt like to me they say, okay, you're going to leave. That's fine. We'll give you one more run. We'll use your name for a pay-per-view here. Give her credit. She's performed pretty well in this, but the story sucks, and Bliss is going to come away with the belt. It's your girl, Nick. Come on. Silver, Silver King, you into this at all? Yeah, you know, I think what BC said is a really good point. They're also debuting, and we'll talk about her, I think, next. Uh, Nick, Asuka, is, is going to be on this card, and it's her you know, start in Raw. Uh, Nia Jax, contrary to some reports out there, we have a little bit of ITC reporting here. Uh, she's not going anywhere. She's fine with WWE, a somewhat excused absence. Um, you know, the rumors basically are not true about her departure uh, from the company or really any ill feelings, just a lot of BS out there. So you're going to have Nia Jax playing a part in the picture. You're going to have Asuka playing a huge part in the picture. You still have Sasha Banks. You still have Bailey, who, you know, they see as a main eventer, even though her character has been dinged up a little bit. So Mickey James run, yeah, it's probably over. So this is a nice send off for her. But yeah, Alexa Bliss retains this title. No question. Um, yeah, let's get into that Asuka Emma match then, Bri. I'm pretty excited for this just because Asuka is absolutely awesome. Um, Emma, I think, is a good foil for her. I think this match will be good. Asuka will go over, and hopefully we get Asuka in an immediate program with Alexa Bliss because I think she's going to get a major face reaction on Sunday night. Uh, I, I'm the biggest Asuka fan. You know, I, Silver King's a big fan of her as well. There's no reason not to be. I love that we are at this point in two things. We're at this point where, one, she's never lost yet on WWE TV, so they've done it right. They didn't have her, you know, get beat by Ember Moon on the way out to give up her belt. And number two, that they haven't shown her yet on the main roster TV outside of these quick little vignettes. Or not even vignettes, just quick little, you know, still pictures almost of her. I love that even more because there's a lot of mystery. But obviously she's going to win this. I think that she should win this in extreme squash fashion. I almost think, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys that they should take the whole unbeaten idea and go far with it, go Goldberg level with it, have her go on a run of destructive squash matches using a lot of those heel MMA-inspired kicks that she does and destroy everyone up the ladder. Maybe even, guys, 
destroy Alexa Bliss when she finally gets the chance and set the stage for it have a big moment feud, whether that's against Charlotte in a cross-brand situation or against Char Sasha. It's Charlotte. It's so, Charlotte. Well, that, that, that's the long run, right, outside of, like, Ronda Rousey. That's the long run money thing there. But I think that they should not only Goldberger, but Goldberger through Bliss. Like, actually force Bliss to just job the heck out. That's what I want to see. I want to see Asuka be a thing. I don't disagree with that at all. I'm guessing Silver King doesn't disagree either. I think it's going to be awesome, and I would like to see the unbeaten run continue. Do we want to spend any time talking about the demon uh, Finn Balor against Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt? Brian, you well, just that it's got to end here, all right? Just that it's got to end here, and the way they've set it up, obviously Finn's got to go over. His pumpkin demon has got to best. But there's the only intrigue here is, is one, how bad could it be? And two, what's Bray going to look like in the ring? So there is a little bit of intrigue. Is he going to come with a white painted face and a, and a you know cover over his head? We don't know that for sure. You just got to end it or we're going to be very upset. Obviously, there's like 1% of me that feels like if Bray comes out with Sister Abigail, and you're gonna, again, you're going to ask yourself, why didn't you activate that, Bray? You talk about Abigail for three years. Why are you just activating her now when you job to everybody? But maybe by activating her, he becomes unbeatable. And maybe in some dream BC scenario, they finally get Bray Wyatt, Riot right. And they bring back the Wyatt family around him. And this is the match that brings him to the top. What the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about? Some hope, I don't. Some crap hope gibberish that's a 1% chance of happening and has no chance. So that means the feud ends on Sunday. Silver King? There is no winner. I don't mean in the match. I mean, in the feud, in their you know current state of their careers. Look, Finn's amazing, and he's going to go on to be Universal Champion at some point, eventually, in the next year, hopefully, 18 months. But there's no winner coming out of this. There's no winner in the match. There's no winner in the feud. It doesn't matter if, if Finn goes over, if Bray goes How are you going to bring Sister Abigail in and not have Bray win? And then if Bray does beat him with Sister Abigail, what does that say about the demon? They totally bungled this entire feud from the very beginning by having Finn win two in a row. This just sucks. Like it's so bad. So not I'm, I'm not only so not only will there be no winner in this feud, but you know who else will lose? The Silver King will lose. I will lose. The Brian Campbell will lose, and you, dear listener, you will lose because we will all watch this match, and that makes us losers. Now I will say this though, Brian, I'm with you here. There oh, is like a one percent chance that something cool happens as a result of this. So this is, I, I want to avoid the pie and face situation where we're here next Wednesday talking about this. And we're like, wow, that was really awesome. I can't believe it happened and it really worked. There is a chance that they pull it off. I don't think well, it's look, a good think chance. About in fact, it. I would say it's 1%, but there They're is a so chance. They're so deep in the gutter with this. They know everybody hates it. Obviously they go on social media. They know everybody hates it. So maybe this is when they plug in Paige or they plug in, you know, whoever is going to play Sister Abigail. Maybe... Bray comes out in some weird garb. He ends up going over, and then as he goes over, the you know the lights go out, and then there's a woman in the ring, and she's doing sorceress like Sith type lightning, like it's episode three of Star. I don't look again. I'm so like uh, my point is they're you so far right. off like the no rails You're that right. anything no good is going to get celebrated, guys. Anything good that happens in this match on Sunday, we're going to blow up in love because it's so bad right now. All right, and now let's move on to the main event. It's really a one-match card. This one match should be pretty good. Five-on-three TLC. Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, The Shield against Braun Strowman, The Miz, The Bar, Sheamus, and Cesaro, and the returning, oh, my God, it's got to be Kane. Yeah, so guess what? The Shield has to lose here, right? Like, The Shield has to lose to make this matter. If The Shield wins three-on-five, 
Why should we care, Nick? If the Shield wins three on five, why three on four was like, okay, they're such good baby. They're so, all three of them have won the title in the last year and a half. They're so good. You got to kind of make it three on four because the Miz and the Bar, I love them, but they're a little, a tiny bit underwhelming compared to the to the Shield. So no, they brought in Braun Strowman. Okay, that's great. This is a challenge, baby faces. You're going to have to get over. No, now it's three on five, Nick. So not only do they have to lose, for the storyline to make sense. Not only do they have to lose to get us to care about Survivor Series, but they may have to bring out Undertaker. It may have to happen. Like, I know we teased it off the top. It may have to happen here. Uh, Yeah, and Undertaker's not coming out. Uh, Yeah, the five-man team goes over here. I think they have to. The Shield does have to lose. You can have Dean Ambrose take a pinfall and no one gets hurt by it. Like, there's no... No one cares if Dean gets pinned by Braun Strowman, which is probably what would happen, or a double choke slam with Braun and Kane. There's just too much adversity, and let's go a little kayfabe here. There's too much adversity for the Shield to overcome it and have it be legitimate. Like, Roman Reigns can't necessarily take down Braun Strowman by himself. Now he has to oh, take we're down... we're analyzing it like it's a football game, I love Braun it. Braun Strowman and Kane. So uh, if we're staying with the kayfabe here, they have to lose. And if we're going to non-kayfabe and we're booking it ourselves, they also have to lose because they have to get to that Survivor Series match. And if a three-man shield beats a five-man team of, you know, whoever's in there with the Intercontinental Champion and the main challengers for the tag team titles, it's taken up too many belts, it's taken up too much space, it's taken up too much time, and if they don't pay it off at Survivor Series, it's all for naught. Nick, answer me this, though. Answer me this on kayfabe motivation. Take me in the head of The Miz and The Bar. Why are they in this feud, and why do they, why why are they just okay that they're adding Hensley? I don't want to play this game. I don't want to play because I don't care. I'm just being honest with you. I don't care. I really don't. I, I really, like, actually do not care. But we can play. It's Silver King. Do you want to play the game? Uh, why do they care? Uh, Miz feels like Reigns has completely overshadowed him, and he gets all the attention and adoration. So, so Miz, does. guess what Miz is going to do? He's going to add extra people into the match, so he has nobody talking about him afterwards. So I want to I want to clarify this because we you talked about it in the main event, so I want to bring it up full circle here. The reason why that they added a fourth and fifth person to this match is because the Shield came out and got cocky when they reunited, and they said, we can beat three guys or four guys or five guys. So then Kurt Angle made the match three-on-three or whatever happened there, and then Miz immediately came back and said, wait, they said four or five. We want the four. He's being the swarmy chicken crap heel, and he's getting his way by manipulating the general manager. So that's why this happened and became a fourth and became a fifth. I'm just want to lay that out there so everyone's clear heading into this. All paper. right, then the, they're going to go kayfabe. Let me go kayfabe. You know what I'm talking about kayfabe here? Kurt Angle, kayfabe, not a good dad. Kurt Angle, kayfabe, not a good GM. Kurt Angle. Oh, that's bull. Great wrestler. No, 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 no. Great wrestler. Sorry. Though. He great got Jason wrestler. Jordan for absolutely nothing. He got Oscar for, for, for He signed Oscar as a free agent. Guys, guys, guys. He's a good kayfabe GM. We are not. We are not doing this. We are not. Being wow, like, Nick Daddy not. pants in us right here. Look at look no, at this. this, is not the, this is, fun. This, it's this, wrestling. No, what are you this doing? Is, this is not the National Football League, guys. Like he's not real. Like it's like are you? Oh, he got. Like, are we real? Like did that really just happen? Like in all serious. <laughs> like when I was gone last week, did you guys do like had this podcast? No, like no, like no. it's real or no? No, we did not. I mean, what the hell is that? And you know what I want from this match, honestly? Can you entertain me for forty minutes coming up? Can, can, can you do that for me? So after I watch what's sure to be an incredible Sunday night football game between the Patriots and the Falcons, the Super Bowl rematch, can I be entertained for 40 minutes from this match? If they do that and I am entertained, I will consider this to be a smashing you, success. You know where they where they went wrong, though? They were they brought out Kane too early. Kane, the, yep, let's be honest. Correct. 
Kane should have came out Sunday night because we should have had we should have headed into this pay per view going. I love the Shield back together. I kind of feel like the four guys they're facing is enough of a challenge. I want to see if the Shield turn on each other. I want to see what happens, and then they swerve ball you with Kane by doing it early. You have me opening the show, typically an optimist, acting like an a hole, just ripping on it, going. There's too many moving parts here. Who's feuding with who? This makes no sense. So yeah, that's your answer. That's the diagnosis from the from the good doctor Nick. They put out Kane too early. Sorry, they put out Kane 20 years too late, and then they also put him out one week too early. All right, that actually that was well said at the end. I still don't, I still don't really. It doesn't really, doesn't really move the meter for me. I just want to see a good match. I think we'll get it, so I'm kind of into it. And let us close the show then. Uh, the good Doctor Brian Campbell with the feel spot. You go first. What do you got? Uh, my feel spot could just easily be summed up as how much I love Elias and how underused WWE is with Gallows and Anderson. They are just jobbers to the stars. And if you recall, by the way, even when they had the Raw Tag Team Championship belts, they still jobbed out every single week in either non-title bouts or in handicap matches against Roman Reigns. Yes, WWE, hashtag never forget. This week, though, they got to do fun stuff with Elias on guitar, with singing the Honky Talk Man's entrance thing. But Nick, almost one week retrospective on field spot. I didn't play this last week because I wanted to play this for you. Did you hear the joke that Elias did when he was controlling the crowd two weeks ago on raw? Check it out. Well, if that's how you feel, then maybe I won't do a song. Just kidding. I like the sound of my own voice too much. This one's for me. That feel spotted me because that was Elias playing Costos basically right there. It was I, I was I swear to God, I was about to say like he stole my gimmick. Like that's 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 what I would have said. So like I completely, completely agree. All right. I'll move on with mine here. Um you know, WWE, their response to the Bullet Club, I've loved it. Uh it started, I think, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Gallows and Anderson walk into the ring. They throw up too sweet. WWE zooms directly in on it as if to say, we hope you're watching and see that we're using that gimmick that we sent you the C and D for. And then this week, BC, they did this. And feel the presence, Corey, of what he likes to call the Balor Club. It really is too sweet to experience live. Corey Graves drops too sweet very slyly as Finn Balor comes out. I absolutely love it. Look, you don't poke the bear. You mess with the bull, you get the horns, Bullet Club. It's what you deserve. I'm getting a little tired of it overall, and I love the WWE's swinging back, whether it's the C&D, whether it's these little sly shots on Raw and SmackDown. Just keep it going. It's it's enjoyable for me, and it hits me in the feel spot. You, know um, you guys know. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Well, what I was going to say, you know what WWE should do? Since they own the Two Sweet, since they have guys on their roster, Gallows and Anderson, as an example, who used to come out in Two Sweet last year every time, why don't they just bring it back? Right? I'm not saying you have to bring back Hall or Nash, but just say, hey, Gallows and Anderson, you're going to too sweet every five seconds. Make the public not even know this is a Bullet Club thing, right? Yeah. Um, for my for my feel spot, and I've done this a couple times, but it bears repeating because we haven't talked about them on the show today. I think Rusev and Aiden English are so damn funny. Like, they are just hysterical. Um, and the little vignette that they had backstage with the New Day when Xavier Woods was playing Rusev's theme song on the uh, on the trombone was hilarious. Aiden English starts to sing, it's Rusev Day. And Rusev goes, "Not now's not the time. The whole idea of Rusev Day cracks me up to such an extent that I don't think I can properly put it into words. I don't know why I think it's so funny, but it is absolutely hilarious. So that did it for me. Rusev and Aiden English 
always make me laugh, and that hits me in the old feel spot. And that ends this week's edition of In This Corner with the Brian Campbell, the professional wrestling edition. Looking forward to TLC coming up this Sunday night. So for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am Handsome Nick Costos, the Brian Campbell, two words to end the podcast. We out.